Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Wednesdays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're a bit more bundled up. It was, well, it was eye-watering today. Uh, not out of sadness or joy, but just a, a brisk wind underneath Memorial Stadium. Pretty awesome to see the coaches again. As uh, Coach Becton uh, spends some time with the media, Coach Dawson will hear from Greg Austin and, of course, Travis Fisher. If I'm going to ask you what's the most important position group for Nebraska football moving forward spring and fall, can you make an argument against the offensive line? Are you asking me directly? I'm asking the world. ESPNLincoln.com, <laughs> wherever you hear us across the state of Nebraska, Listen, quarterback's huge, skills money, running backs are big. It's got to be about them linemen. That's got to be near and dear to your heart. Oh, yeah, that, that warms my heart to hear, to hear the, the offensive line. But it's, al- it's, it's always the case, right? It's just absolutely – it's not sexy. No offense to an offensive lineman across the window from me. Hey, some of them are sexy, but as a whole, no. <laughs> no, but, but it, it's, it's, it's the grind, it's the grit – Right, it's all of those things that that win you ball games in the trenches. We need John Vicenda and NFL Films music here to kick off talking offensive line. But we'll get some thoughts from uh, special teams and Coach Dawson. Also, just uh, what it took for Coach Fisher to <laughs> bring back seventy five percent of his secondary. Uh, easier said than done. Mike Babcock going to be with us in 15 minutes. Babbers has covered football for a number of decades. He's your historian, author, and Hall of Famer. Love talking college football and Husker ball with Mike Babcock. Mike Shuhart. Shuey, we're knocking on the door for the Masters here, not too far away. And then we'll hit some recruiting and some Nebraska football spring thoughts with Greg Smith. In the 5 o'clock hour, a jock doc will wrap you up. Numbers to get you in, 466 Seven seven six four six six thirty seven seventy six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. You can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal, and uh, email us Chris at HaleVarsity So there's your question today: Is there a more important position group than this offensive? Line Some business to tend to, and that is the Transfer Portal has a new name from Nebraska football. You have tight end Kurt Raftall. He entered his name in. Coach Becton spent some time talking about Raftall today, more so the fact that, you know, Raftall's a steady guy, and, and he's giant, right? He's a big-time uh, body 
and uh, he's a guy that Nebraska beat out some nice names, nice schools for to get to Lincoln. But Raftall's been in Lincoln for five years, and you have Austin Allen, and uh, he's kind of taken the lead, not only of the tight end room, but honestly, as one of the leading voices of the offense moving forward. You've got uh, some some nice tight ends here that are getting watered to grow as part of this 2021 recruiting class, right, when you look at the three tight ends they took. And uh, you can't forget uh, Travis Vokalek either. I mean, Vokalek's a guy that I think could see, uh, well, lots of time. He saw lots of time last year. But uh, listen, Raftal, uh, 15 snaps uh, in in 2020, and uh, you saw his his – Numbers decrease only uh, just shy of 60 snaps in 2019 and, you know, in 2018, his first year here, he had 162 snaps. So you got a crowded room in the tight end spot and you got your two top. Obviously, they got to earn and cement that. But with Allen and Vokalek and then you got Fedoni, James Carney. Uh, so those are that, that that's four there. And you just wonder is. Again, it's early, but as much as you're hearing about the ability to pick things up with a guy like Fedoni and a guy like Carney, uh, you just wonder where Raftal's going to be in the mix here. And uh, you just have six catches, 77 yards, and 26 games for Raftal. So he is going to go somewhere else. And said, you know what, uh, it, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was foreshadowed, but Beckton did say, you know what, we don't want to lose anybody. But if uh, someone jumps into the portal, next guy's got to be up and go get the job done. So uh, best wishes to Kurt Raftall. I uh, enjoyed our chat with him on signing day way back when. And uh, we'll see where he lands and best wishes to him. So a lot of things covered by Greg Austin with the offensive line. And, you know, the first question today was kind of leaning more towards the topic again. And Scott Frost uh, asked was asked about it yesterday as well. And, and that's the, the discussion of a power run game, right? There's this feel that, well, Nebraska is going to switch things up and go power run game. And, and the way Coach Frost kind of said it is like, look, we've kind of run all the same things that you've seen in past offenses. It's just been different formations. But it's more of, a, of an attitude here. And here is Coach Austin here uh, on what really is truly the emphasis. And again, it's the same word. It's fundamentals. And we can honestly say that that's been a, a big issue for the offensive line. It's not that they're getting coached wrongly. I don't believe that at all. It's not that they're not talented. But when push comes to shove, the fundamentals are what makes or breaks you on the offensive line. Uh, and, and that is clean football. And then once you you go do a play, are you getting four yards when a play should get eight? Or is what you're, you're not consistent at keeping you from some bigger gains and some better fourth quarters and ultimately capping off some drives in the red zone with a touchdown or a field goal versus a turnover? But here is Greg Austin. Emphasizing fundamentals, obviously, as, as an offensive line, you know, we, we didn't meet where we wanted to be last year. So, you know, all the things that we're focusing on is going back to the basics, back to fundamentals. You know, um, talk about the power running game. You know, schematically, we're you know running some of the things, same, same things. We're just 
just doing it a little bit better. You know, that's the emphasis. It's pretty interesting, this next comment here from, from Greg Austin here. The emphasis on explosive plays. That's something Scott Frost talked about. That's a question Derek Peterson asked about to Greg Austin today. And, hey, is that something you're, you're concentrating on here, more explosive plays in the run game? And, and so far there's been a little bit of a tweak. You know, do you want more explosive plays? Sign me up, right? If I'm a Nebraska fan, give me more explosive plays in the run game. Let's see someone break one and take off. I think they've got some athletes to do it in the running back room. You've seen Adrian as a quarterback, and before he transferred out, Luke McCaffrey. You've seen explosive runs by the quarterback, right? Well, there are some things in practice that, all right, what's going to allow more explosive plays? Well, and you can speak to this, Elijah. I mean, it's been a long, long time since I've blocked anybody legally or got flagged for it. But you can, you can touch on holding, keeping your blocks. Frost touched, uh, touched on that a few different times. Guys need to hold their blocks a little longer, right? You can touch on that with, with your background on the offensive line at Southeast. And you got to work on that in, in practice to, to hold your block. There's something you work on every day. You just can't poof all of a sudden, hey, hold your blocks a little longer. Well, what are you doing in practice to allow you to, to get better at that? Well, if you're if we are going prolonged on the offensive line talk, I do. There we go. That, that's much better. <laughs> um, but the, the, the key, I mean, oh my it, god, you're giving your own bed. <laughs> uh, it's Professor O'Line with crazy mustache Elijah Herbal. I actually did watch like last night this 30 minute breakdown of this. Uh, he's this guy was breaking down the offensive line prospects in the draft, and I was just having the time of my life. He was getting like really in depth. Still waiting for your name. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like it, it's so key that this, the technique of things of being able to your hand placement on your initial block. If you get up underneath their shoulder pads, you can control them there and hold them there, and they're not going anywhere. And it comes down to your first placement. If you miss that first placement, it's replacing the hand, and then hand strength. There's so much just technique work that goes into being able to stick on your block prolonged period of time because these defensive linemen they're going to be clubbing at your hands. They're going to be trying to make it hurt. They can hold. They can do everything. You do something wrong. Yeah, the defensive linemen are trying to hurt you so you let go of them. If, and if, it comes down to your technique to be able to hold on to them. Well, and you know, if you're at Nebraska, this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, you, you do something too well, you're going to get flagged for it. <laughs> in, in that the feel? Just in the Big Ten. Just yeah. in the Big Ten. <laughs> but with, with Greg Austin, he, he hits on the explosive plays and what Nebraska's doing in their practice setup to allow that. And it's a change, and the change is good in this instance. Doing our job, finishing our blocks. And that's one of the other emphasis as well. You know, Coach Frost, I'll, I'll give him a lot of credit. You know, he's changed up some, some of the things that we do in practice. I won't go into detail. Uh, but he's allowed us to really emphasize, you know, finish. You know, uh, and you know, through the, cu- the first couple practices, it's been really cool to see, you know, us playing until the end of the whistle, you know, with uh, less emphasis on going fast. You know, that's that's a big that's a big adjustment, you know, as it relates to the boys, because you got to take care of the boys in order to do that. You know, if you're not taking care of them and you're just balls to the wall every single play, you know, then there's a fatigue factor uh, that, that's naturally built in, you know. But you want to get you want to get more explosive plays. You got to stick on block longer you know and um can't stick on blocks if you're tired of you know i think of i think of that scene in the blind side where michael or takes never that saw dude. it 
Oh my goodness, you're missing out. Um, who's the who's the gal in it? Dark haired gal, kind of mousy looking. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah, not a fan of hers. Oh well, I read the book too. The book's much better than the movie. If you're wondering, yeah, um, I'll take your word. But he he takes the guy. And the whistle's not blowing, the play's still going, but he's 40 yards behind the play, and he's taking the guy through the sideline to the fence behind the sideline and pushes him over the fence. And that's, that's what this, this makes me think of, is don't go chasing the play. The, 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 your running back's 30 yards downfield. Don't go chasing, trying to get set up. Finish your block. Make that guy feel you. Well, and with this, you know, we talk about speed, 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 blur offense, right? I mean, that's... That's that's an identity associated with Scott Frost. It was associated with Frost at Oregon and Chip Kelly. The the wow factor of the offense, kind of the reputation this offense had. And then you go to Central Florida and do your thing that way with Mackenzie Milton. And now you're at, you're in Lincoln and you're going into year four and people are wondering what the hell's wrong with your offense. And Greg Austin's got a great point. Dude, I hear you. And our guys... Yeah, we need to hold our blocks longer. Let me do it in practice. Let me have my guys be able to to finish after the whistle or at the whistle versus hurry it up, hurry it up, and get a snap off with with 15 or 20 seconds left on the play clock. That's a nice adjustment. That will – it's little. I don't mean to, like, overblow it. But it's super important, the fact that they're able to do that. They're not so worried about going – a thousand miles per hour. They're worried about again a detail, which is allowing a lineman to, to to lay on a defensive player or or stand their ground an extra one or two counts that could be the difference in seven or seventy or seventeen or twenty seven. It, it breathes that nastiness. Think about it. Whenever there's a running back ten yards downfield past the play, the defensive lineman he, he is coached to go get to the ball. He, he's not going to be worried about the block once the running back's past him, but then you get that chance as an offensive lineman uh, to, as I said earlier, to, to make him feel you get to go finish that block because he has no interest in being anywhere near you at that point. But you as an offensive lineman can, can dominate him at the point of attack right there, and he's not going to be worried about what you're doing, so you get that chance to finish it and get that nastiness. Last thought here from, from Greg Austin, and we'll have some more thoughts from the assistants, but you know this seems to, to kind of get in line with the, the talk of more of a physical offense, downhill running. Is it going to be a, a, a setup where there's more of a of a shift of a conversation and then a, a transformation towards a downhill running attack? More emphasis on it. Can you lean on that? Right. And you you saw Nebraska out of the pistol last fall do some good things in the run game where they just kind of lined up, went zone, and and that's where you saw a lot of explosive plays with the running game. But the the fact that there's been a shift and a bit of a change where guys are able to hold on to their blocks or at least practice holding their blocks longer uh, versus hurry up and, and being part of this tempo setup, uh, that, that is so key. And you had Greg Austin touch on the running back room and that compliment you need to have. It's you have a guy like Barry Sanders and only one pro bowler in Lomas Brown but man, Detroit had so many years of thousand-yard running backs or running rushing seasons because you had a guy like Barry Sanders. There's other instances where you had uh, great offensive lines in Pittsburgh, and they took some one-year wonders. Or even think about Marion Butts. No, no disrespect to Marion Butts, but you had a good offensive line in San Diego. I'm going pro football 20, 25 years ago. 
but you need the, the, the running back to be at a certain talent level in that offensive line. If they're good, they can make that good back look great. Vice versa, a great back can make an okay line look pretty good. And here's what Austin touched on with that. Yeah, we got some, we got some good things planned for those guys. Those guys have done a great job. You know, we're changing up some of the backfield sets, you know, um, to really get those guys coming a little bit more downhill, you know. So um, we're excited about that. And those guys are talented players, you know. Um, you know they're, they're different players, you know, step. We talk about Marquis Urban. Uh, but, uh, but nevertheless, you know, good players. I mean, we see some really good things out of those guys already. You know, if we just do our job, heck, those guys look even better, right? So that's our emphasis. He's right on about it, and uh, you want to see that this spring and obviously move it to the fall where you got an offensive line and a running game that is simpatico. We'll dive in uh, with some more football with Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer with Hale Varsity. Babbers up next with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Reminder, join us. Longwell's Championship Monday. Hale Varsity Roadshow, 4-6. to six. And then hang out uh, for the title game. Your chance, uh, including prizes. We're talking about Chris Stapleton tickets, Salt Dog tickets, Jet Splash gift cards, restaurant gift cards. Plus, directly following the game, the grand prize will be awarded, which is a four-pack of home game seats to see the Royals during the 2021 season. Opening day tomorrow. A lot of great eats, tons of beer on tap. Those Megatron TVs are glorious. It'll be amazing weather. And, of course, Longwells has those garage doors that open up, so it's very airy. airy. And uh, it's kind of like the old convertible bar, if there is such a thing. It's fantastic. We want to see it on there. Monday, April 5th, Hale Varsity 4-6. to six, And uh, come down for the show, hang out for the title game, and get good luck with uh, what teams you drew for those prizes for picks. And uh, let's uh, send basketball season out the right way. We welcome in Mike Babcock from Ale Varsity at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, uh, kind of a fun start to, to spring ball. We've not been able to to see any action, but we got to see some coaches today and hear from Scott Frost yesterday. Uh, it just seems, uh, and this isn't disrespectful to to the staff, but it just seems a little bit more focused and drilled down. Uh, at least through the, the the first two interview sessions we've had, am I off there? Have you noticed anything different? No, you know, and I'm taking notes because I didn't go today uh, for a couple reasons. You were warm. I was working on Husker baseball, but um, uh, and the other was I didn't know exactly what the dynamic would be um, mm-hmm. for a bunch of people from Hale Varsity. I didn't know if they wanted a bunch, but. Um, uh, yeah, I, I got that sense in listening uh, yesterday to what what was said, uh, an emphasis on fundamentals, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it, and I've looked through a lot of the stuff that we'll, that uh, we've got mm-hmm. great coverage today, and it sounds like you know tempo is not so much in consideration as as uh, just fundamentals, doing the right thing, and and getting those things down, which. Again, I always like to put it in context. You know, that was always the uh, 
that was always the Osborne emphasis, you know, just do what you do well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got to the point where Nebraska would, did things so well that uh, opposing defenses uh, might know what Nebraska was going to do on offense and couldn't stop it um, because that's how well Nebraska was able to execute. So execution is really important. And that was a sense I got from from the news conference and from what I read today um, that that's a big emphasis uh, this spring, which which I think is good. You know, it, it's got to be, and and I think you've got guys on the the same page, and you know, as as big of a headache and and heartache as the pandemic has been, you you have some things that have allowed maybe this this group of offensive coaches to kind of gel and grow. I mean, they've been able to spend time together, been able to, to communicate with one another, and and kind of have the same blueprint, Mike, it, it sounds like. And I love listening to Greg Austin, A, because it sounds like he just got done screaming for four hours. <laughs> But but B he just he's giving us a little trouble. He's out there in shorts and a t shirt and he's staring us down. Are you guys cold? Yes, yes we are. Some of us should have wore a stocking hat. It was twenty eight, twenty nine degrees and the wind was kind of moving through the uh, the the, uh, the underneath the Memorial Stadium. But no, I I I love his attitude and he's a throwback old school guy where he just wants to be physical and I think he again we're not there I'm not trying to jump to conclusions here Palm Sunshine but I think he's getting a chance to to fine tune some of those things he's always thought's been important but now they're taking time to do it well yeah and and you know that's the area on offense that's where it starts is, is those guys up front and you know no great insight here because we've heard it a lot but this is a young these are young guys on the offensive line. I mean, it, um, you've got some experience there, uh, but but they're young guys, and so they're still in the developmental stage, and I think there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, Nebraska has recruited – I mean, you always recruit big guys for the offensive line, but Nebraska has gotten big, big guys. Um, that's been an emphasis. And you've got to be fundamentally sound. You know, you look – Remember looking back at some of those games uh, in the 2020 season, you know, just a just a, a motion thing here or an offsides or something at the wrong time can just undo everything that you've done. And uh, fundamental, it comes back to fundamentals, doing the right thing and and knowing what it is you're supposed to do, and then uh, going out on the field and doing it. Then it's it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very, uh, very important point to remember is that uh, uh, you can talk about these things, but get out on the field and you still have to do them. And I think that's where they're at. Mike Babcock with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, when you look at the offensive line with, with how Nebraska runs its offense, do you think it's more important for them to be solid and effective pass blockers or solid and effective run blockers? I mean, it, it hasn't felt like there's been a season where they've been solid at both maybe since the Pelini era. Maybe maybe I'm going back too far there. Um, but under Mike Riley, it seems like very run, or pass block centered. And then now early years of Frost, it feels like they've been trying to focus on the running, uh, the running game, the, the running blocking. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Losing my train of thought here, but which, when you look at those two, is it more important to keep Adrian safe? Or is it more important to give Adrian a run game? Well, I think it's important to be to keep Adrian safe. I don't know if those two things need to be exclusive. 
Elijah. And that you know that's the thing is I think you have to have a balance. And with the way Scott's offense, well, I, the way I you know assume it's supposed to work, um, you've got to have a balance there. You've got to be able to do both. But you've got to protect the quarterback. There's no question about that. But Nebraska, and that's the other aspect of it, is the running game. Last season, the running game was over like 57%. Is in the 50s percentage. Brandon Vogel had the percentage, but um, the run game was mostly the quarterbacks. I mean, more than 50% was the quarterbacks, and the explosive run plays were like 37 to 55 were the quarterbacks. And so you've got to get the other, you got to get other people involved in the running game. But but the line, that's where it starts again, and you have to protect him. But you also have to be have an emphasis on the running game. I think you've got to be able to establish a running game. That that's how your passing game works. If if opposing defenses are are off balance uh, because they're trying to deal with the running game, I think you need both the balance. Babbers, uh, to, back to the, the the quarterback and the explosive plays and the emphasis on. On that, and I really like Greg Austin's comment from from last segment about you want more explosive plays. We need to hold on to our blocks longer to do that. We got to be able to do it in practice versus hurrying up and, and running another play with tempo. So it seems like the emphasis has shifted again to your point about fundamentals over over some tempo. Ideally, you get both. But when you look at at what Nebraska did in the run game last year, do you think they they went with what they knew and felt best about and or it was it just a, a situation of covid young backs and also an in, injured mills do you think that's part of you know there's it's not just one thing but part of those part of the reason they they were so quarterback run heavy is cuz they had to be well yeah i think that's the way it worked out um and 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 you're right probably i think that you know they had the young young running backs and mills situation and so forth but I, you you have to have that's one of the things that's going to be interesting this spring because again you're still young running backs and you got step the transfer from USC um, and and who's going to somebody has to emerge I think I mean you can't just keep rotating those guys in there I think you have to have somebody that you have, that you can depend on and uh, I think the competition there is going to be interesting it's probably going to continue into the fall but uh Again, it can't be all on on top of uh, the shoulders of uh, of uh, Martinez. You know, he's got to get some help, and uh, and you know, the offensive line is part of that. But the running back, somebody has to step up and and be consistent. Mike, get a shift gears, talk a little Husker baseball. I know Will Bolt had a, another Zoom session today, and. Huskers fresh off a sweep of the Gophers. They showed a ton of offense. Povich, phenomenal. Uh, shutout, incredible for him. Big Ten Pitcher of the Week. The offense continues to hum. And uh, you had Roscom blast couple of homers on, on Saturday. Uh, Cam Chick uh, launched one as well. Are you seeing more power than you expected or... Was it just kind of a grab bag going into this year? I mean, Nebraska's feeling great. Their momentum's pretty good, and they flipped things since uh, since a hiccup against Iowa. I'm seeing more power than I expected. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe my expectation was based on wrong information, but it, you know, I didn't I didn't expect the kind of power that the, that they've shown. 
in situations. But, you know, it still goes back to what Bolt said to, today um, and what we've talked about before is, you know, that they play the way Will Bolt played when he was at Nebraska. I mean, it's, it's grit is the thing, and they keep track of that. You know, and I think uh, Joe Acker said, uh, you know, their their slogan is gritty beats pretty. That's the approach. And that was a Will, Will Bolt approach as a player. And that's the way they've done it. So it's been different. You know, there's been different guys that have stepped up. And they've had different kinds of games. They've had games where they've rolled up runs. You know, we, we know that. They've had the, uh, uh, in the last series, they had the 17-5 to game, and, and they had the, uh, uh, the last two games against Iowa, they scored 23 runs combined in those two games. Um, and yet, they've also been in games where they've they've uh, battled and and uh, and got the job done w- without scoring big bunches of runs. And uh, you know that's that's the thing that I guess is reflected in this uh, gritty beats uh, pretty uh, approach. And it sounds like all the players have bought into it. So you got different players. Uh, making different contributions, and I thought it was interesting. You know, again, Acker started out the season; he's a number nine hitter, and they felt good about what he was doing and turning the turning the the order over at number nine. But now he's the leadoff guy, and and uh, and Bold has been very um, complimentary of what he's done. You know, in terms of just getting on base and and putting the team in a position to 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 get some runs and to to be aggressive uh, offensively. And so, uh, you know, I, I think he's just a good example of top to bottom. You know, Haggy's getting an opportunity now. He came back early in the season. He wasn't doing, he wasn't playing a lot. Um, uh, Roskam's on base percentage is like 570 or something like that. I mean, he wasn't playing a whole lot at the beginning of the season, but now he's come on. He's hit, he's He leads the team in hitting. He's batting over 370, and uh, it, it, it's just guy, different guys are stepping up, and when they get the opportunity, they're taking advantage of it, and and you have a lot of moving pieces. Bull talks about that, but uh, it's true. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces in and out. You look at the lineup; it's not it's not the same in some positions, uh, uh, game to game, because they're moving guys around. Mabbers will follow your uh, your baseball updates through the weekend. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Talking to you. Be safe here. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Some recruiting thoughts and spring football from Greg Smith in 25 minutes. We say hi to Mike Schuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. And uh, Wilderness Ridge, man, just it's going to be warm and nice this Easter holiday weekend and beyond. So, Shu will be out there to take care of you with some golf tips. Shuey, how cool is it when you jump on ESPN.com to see? Nebraska's Kate Smith on the cover story. How about that? That's pretty special, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. That doesn't happen very often, so pretty special time for her. She's a great player, so glad to see her doing what she's doing. Not surprised, though. No, and then you have a long track record, bud, of, uh, of, of women's golf and coaching up uh, so many kids. Uh, the youth program you do at Wilderness Ridge is phenomenal for boys and for girls. And, you know, it's not every day that somebody gets invited to, uh, <laughs> to Augusta, right? And, no. and you know, it's, it, we go back to January and 
Cade's in her apartment in Lincoln quarantining before the start of golf season. And <laughs> you get this email from UPS that says Augusta National sent you something, man. And uh, just kind of touch on that, that ambiance. And I know uh, the Masters is, is just around the corner for us. But um, take me through just how what it would be like or what it is like to to get that phone call, get that invite specifically for, you know, someone with the Nebraska golf program? Well, first of all, it's like somebody pinched me because it's like, is that somebody playing a joke on me? <laughs> you know, because like I said, it doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And they're very difficult to get. So, you know, once it kind of sets in that, hey, I really got invited to go play in this. I mean, that's, I mean, you're kind of awestruck. Mm-hmm. You know, and just thinking of, you know, especially her. I mean, she comes from a golfing background. Her dad's a PGA golf professional. Um, so the Masters has been very important. You know, if you're a golfer, the Masters is always pretty important because it's always the first tournament that gets golf season going. Such a spectacular event. You know, just the hype around it is incredible. Then to actually be able to go there and play. I mean, it's like almost impossible to get on there and then have the opportunity to go play there and kind of live that, you know, master's experience. That's once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Mike Schuart's with us, Wilderness Ridge Golf, and uh, Shuey uh, joins us every Wednesday at 440. Uh, Shuey, as the U.S. Open kind of pairs down its volunteers, uh, no fans going to be there. Augusta has always and, and will always kind of do their own thing. And, you know, guys are, are kind of ramping up and amping up for it here as folks get ready for Augusta. And I know the Valero Open's going on. Some guys opt out. Some guys kind of drill down to, to get ready for Augusta that have the invite here. What What is it about guys you know and, and yourself here uh, ahead of some of the, the majors that, that you do or, or you kind of prep with? How do you, How do you go about getting ready mentally and physically for for Augusta, for a U.S. Open, uh, for a PGA. Uh, you want to treat it like any other <laughs> event, but it isn't, you know? No, it's not like any other event, especially Augusta. I mean, it's, you know, it's the first major of the year. I mean, that's pretty big importance on that event. So everybody's a little bit different. You know, some guys will definitely play the week before. They like to play themselves into form. Other guys like to take the week off before to kind of rest and kind of fine-tune some things so they feel, you know, energized. They have everything kind of set in place mentally and physically. So everybody's a little bit different on how they approach it. You know, some guys like the grind, so they'll be playing this week, and they want to play themselves right into right into form. So when they get there, they hope they're kind of hitting on all cylinders. You know, they got the rhythm going. You know, their confidence is up. So they just carry that over into the event. So, And you kind of see that a lot. I mean, a guy that, that, that has a good week this week and maybe doesn't quite win but is kind of right there on top of his game, they usually have a pretty good week. At you know, and then you got other guys that just like to take that week off before and just and kind of practice what Augusta is going to present them, you know, the shots that they have to face at Augusta. So they, they kind of focus on a lot of those different shots that they, that they know the golf course and they're faced with and prepare themselves that way. Should we get a switch uh, gears before we talk about wilderness and uh, golf and uh, lessons and and fittings? Uh, What's your take here? And this came out from the AP not long ago on on Tiger Woods and 
detectives detectives have found the cause of the woods crash but won't reveal it citing privacy concerns what's that say to you that says he was doing something wrong right like he was speeding and texting and something like that or a combination of both if not both so mm-hmm. yeah that, that's what that tells to me because if there wasn't really anything it was just a weird accident for some reason Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, why would they not disclose that? But um, my personal opinion is there was something that was happening that was that was not supposed to be happening that caused him to do what it is that happened to him. So they're not going to they'll never discuss. We'll never know what happened. There'll be a lot of rumors about it, but we'll never really know. You know, and not to to be overly speculative here. I just thought is is the way it was painted and maybe I'm super naive here, but the guy kind of looked like hell the day before after the tournament. I mean, just, just exhausted. Right. And, uh-huh. he's, and he's not far removed from another surgery. I just thought maybe he just dozed behind the wheel. Maybe that is what happened. I don't know, but that's, that's where I was going with it. But, but who knows? Who knows? Exactly. I mean, you can speculate all you want, but it's, it's really hard to believe that somebody would go that far from one lane across the medium, across the other lane, into the ditch on the other side, and not put on the brakes. So yeah. it's like, you know, you're, he's obviously not with it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, that would be easily to, to kind of speculate that that's one of the causes. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, fuzzy math for sure, right, with, <laughs> with going from that lane to, to the wooded area. Should we talk to me about uh, the youth program at Wilderness Ridge, uh, membership opportunities, and all the uh, the, the, the things going on uh, from fittings to, uh, of course, uh, the uh, the aquatic center and all the upgrades, man. And it's always yeah. been beautiful, but, man, it's going to be really special. Yeah, it's going to be really spectacular. I mean, I can standing right here looking at our building, and they're putting on the front eaves of our new building, so pretty massive, pretty impressive. Um, tomorrow's April 1st. So, I mean, man, that's the golf season is, is here and ready to start. So we'll send out, uh, a lot of our youth player development programs. will start to come out tomorrow and the next day, you know, with our junior camps and our junior leagues. Um, so there'll be a lot of information that will start to come out. So people can kind of look for that and, uh, see what programs are out there that we have. You know, we have boot camps that we're starting. Um, that's more of adult player development program so in our fittings and we have pxg that comes down um every other thursday mm. so throughout the month so uh pxg is a, we partnered with them this year so it's been really nice so you go on their website and they you register for a slot and you get to come out here and hit some pxgs that's a that sounds like a plan, man. And then you get to have yeah. bourbon on the deck when you're done. That's yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> and if you're if you feel like it, uh, a a a pork chop Fred Flintstone would love. So uh, there you go, Shuey. We like will pork chops. They got some good ones. I I, I have <laughs> I have sampled many times, my friend. <laughs> Shuey, we love you. Have a have a great uh, holiday weekend. We'll talk to you next week, bud. All right. Thank you much. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll uh, dive into some recruiting thoughts with Greg Smith and some spring football takeaways 
And uh, we'll hear from Coach Fisher on his secondary. That's uh, pretty big. Why it's never good to get into a war of words and get DM'd by Kevin Durant next hour. That got quite ugly. I love how Kevin Durant is on Twitter. You see, like, the thing last week. Instagram, was, Twitter, yeah. Yeah, or, uh, someone on last week on Twitter said, why are you always so negative on Twitter? And he said, that's why I'm here or something like that. <laughs> that's why <laughs> I'm, I'm on the negative. platform. <laughs> right? You can have a whole different personality uh, on social media. But it goes back to, I remember talking with Dean Blevins. You know, he's sportscaster extraordinaire down in Oklahoma with the Sooners and Cowboys and, and of course, OKC. And, and Blevins just was very real with us from day one back when it was the the free agency question mark about will Katie stick or will he go to Golden State? And then he was at Golden State and then he obviously jumped to the Nets. So uh, thin skin is, is what it is. And maybe he's grown up a little bit with it. But a reminder about uh, your friends at West Blue Realty. Are you looking at that home in 2021? Uh, West Blue Realty specializes in residential home sales and surrounding communities. They'll help make that next move a smooth one. For a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity. West Blue Realty can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby, there to make it happen for you. 402-540-3768. Or Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly's outstanding as well. Tom and Kelly do just a phenomenal job. Give Kelly Hofschneider a shout at 402-202-2312 at Page to work with West Blue. Log on westbluerealty.com, eleven twenty K Street, Suite two hundred in Lincoln, is uh, where you can check them out. Let's get Chris squeezed in here to end hour one. Chris, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, Schmitty. Um, so some of the stuff and the language that's coming out about you know what Coach Austin said, and even what I picked out of what some of what Babber said, mm-hmm. about the consistency and the. Um, the, uh, geez, what's the word I'm looking for now? I'm drawing a blank. Um, fundamentals? The, the, the basic fundamentals. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So the way that Nebraska has practiced the last couple of years under Frost, where they're all about tempo, tempo, mm-hmm. tempo, and they're not correcting mistakes during the practice, mm-hmm. do, do you think that this is them maybe taking a step back and saying, you know what, instead of just correcting mistakes um, after practice when we do film session, are we going to run a bingo and we're going to run it until we get it right kind of deal? Or do you are they? Do you think that they they've changed that you know mindset and practice? Or am I reading too much? No, into you're that? Chris. You, and you played ball, man. You played ball down there, so you know what it, what it used to be like. And, and I think honestly, what they've been doing isn't working from a standpoint of uh, of cleanliness. Okay, I mean, look at all the penalties and yep. false starts and, and drive killers, self harm. So they are going to correct and run it until it's run right. That's, I think, the shift you're going to see and you need to see because what's been going on hasn't translated to Saturdays to be clean football. Do you, you suppose that that was a self-evaluation like that they made it themselves or did, did somebody from the outside come in and say, look, this is what you're doing. You need to change this because I, I, I don't personally, I don't know how any 18 to 22-year-old kid mm-hmm. could could learn from doing something wrong repetitively on the field and then trying to go into film study and be like, well, we just got to do it a different way. No, I don't I, understand how how they ever thought that was going to work. I, I don't either, Chris. I'm up against it, but great point, and you're, you're reading right 
into it. I think so. And no, I, I think it's outside voice and uh, introspection that, that caused this potential change. Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Good hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Krishman Elijah Herbal. We say hi to our recruiting insider. It was wonderful to see Greg Smith uh, at post practice at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Mr. Greg, it's been years. How you doing, man? <laughs> I am doing well. It did feel good to be at, back at post practice. It felt weird with like the first one not being a Monday with everybody, you know, stuffing down Valentino's pizza. Um, but you know, it was good to have football back. It, it, it is. It, it feels outstanding. I'm going to get into some recruiting thoughts in just two seconds with you you but uh chris called in to end our our last hour and we were up against it but you know his and and he played ball at nebraska a while back and he was like is it me or did nebraska change their 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 practice philosophy because we're hearing in in you know you heard uh chenander say well we'll run it again right yesterday and and that was kind of touched on by by coach austin today just the emphasis of, all right, if something isn't done correctly, they aren't moving on from it in the moment to talk about it later and, and teach via film. They're, they're physic- we're not there. But it sounds like they're, they're spending more time or changing uh, the way they've gone about uh, correcting mistakes because that's been Nebraska's biggest killer for three years and beyond is, is Nebraska. Right, and I, and I think that Sean Beckton also yes. mentioned some stuff yes. about that as well, whether or not it was offensively or special teams. Um, and he was pretty emphatic about that as well. So I, I do think that we're seeing um, some sort of philosophy change and something that, and this is something that has come up a lot over the offseason, and you, you and I have talked about this, is that if Nebraska wants different results, some things are going to have to change, right? Like you're just going to have to do some things differently, try to shake things up. And it seems like they're very receptive to doing that. Um, and I know Derek Peterson wrote a good piece on HillVarsity.com today in post-practice about that very thing. Um, I think based on what Austin said about l- working less on tempo and more on fundamentals and teaching and getting things correct before you moving on and finishing plays. Um, and I think that that, that's a, I think that that might be the biggest thing that we've heard so far um, just in the first couple of days here of spring. And I'll be eager to talk to Frost about that more uh, the next time that we get to hear from him. You know, it, it just sound again, it's sound and you need to see, but it just sounds uh, different, more matter of fact. And uh, I mean, it's a big season and, and I'm not like trying to get melodramatic with that, but, you know, get to a bowl game, get, you know, get some wins, qualify for the postseason. Uh, home for the holiday sucks, pandemic or not. I mean, you know, right. get get some get some work in, and there's so so many different areas to go. I want to go to the tight end room though, because I know you and I were both uh, taking notes on on Coach Becton, and and you know, there was some foreshadowing on on you know next man up mentality. If if someone heads to the portal, well, somebody did head to the portal today. Uh, Kurt Raftall has. 
uh, all the physical gifts and the size, and he put his time in. But over the years, he's seen his playing time go down. Do you think, and, and he's off to the portal, and, and you've got, of course, Austin Allen and Vokalek, uh, but you also have guys like Carney and, of course, uh, Fedoni that, that seem to be picking things up that, that Coach Beckton touched on. They, they need to get stronger. Uh, how do you feel about the tight end spot with the, the recruits that came in with what you have in Allen and Vokalek? And, and, and talk to me about the, the factor of, of a guy like Raftal leaving, what that does to the room. Yeah, I think first and foremost, I think, you know, Raftal did put his time in and, and he worked at it, but it was just going to be tough for him um, knowing that you had two guys coming back that are going to have earned their playing time by, by virtue of what they've done. Um, so you're probably looking at, at best, starting off third on the depth chart. But, they you know, by the way, you've got the number one tight end in the country who enrolled early, um, who's also hungry for playing time. And then James Carney, who's a little bit banged up right now. And Sean Beckton had a shoulder um, issue. I think he had a, a labrum that he had surgically repaired over the off season, But he'll be back in a couple of weeks. They want to work him. In, and then A.J. Rollins is coming in over the spring or in the summer. So it, it's just really difficult for a real path of playing time for Raftall. So I think overall, I think the tight end room will be fine. Beckham said he wants it to be one of the best in the country, and he thinks that they have the bodies and the guys to be able to do that. Um, but it's, it's a really interesting room um, because you, you have Thomas Fedoni, who obviously was a mega recruit coming out of high school, and we spent a lot of time talking about him, but he does not have to be like rushed into action, right? And he's got a couple of really nice guys to learn from, especially Austin Allen, who has the stated goal of wanting to be a captain this year. It's really a great situation uh, for them to bring Fedoni along in while also taking advantage of the natural physical talent um, that he's going to bring to the table, too. Greg, want to go to recruiting and and talk about Helms, a uh, talented tight end for Bellevue West, uh, put his top ten out Monday. Uh, Nebraska not in in the top ten. So big picture, since Frost and company have been here, they have done well with in-state kids. Recently, you have lost Johnson. You've lost, and it looks like you're going to lose Devin Jackson out of Burke, Deshaun Woods out of Central, and and Helms really loves Oklahoma out of Bell West. You did get uh, Ernest uh, out of Columbus, and he's phenomenal, but. And, and you lost Avante Dickerson, right, and, and Xavier Watts to uh, to Notre Dame. So your overall batting average is still sweet, but your your recent uh, swings at the plate haven't gone well. In your opinion here, and, and you know you heard we've seen Helms's quote, you know, kind of burn out on Nebraska. Uh, wants to kind of go do his own thing. Does Nebraska need to change something about what they're doing or how they're? recruiting in state or are you are you as an analyst panicking with this this trend here for Nebraska Boy it's tough because uh, on one hand you never want to lose any of these top guys especially when it really looks like at this point that the top four players in the state of Nebraska all of those top four in Omaha will not come to Nebraska um, for the 2022 class like, it looks bad for that right now for just being honest right um, and so when you say that, and then you, you mentioned um, Johnson, you mentioned Dickerson, um, both also from Omaha, like it just it, it starts to pile up the wrong way after Nebraska started off under Frost very well. 
um, in state and in Omaha when they landed Henderson Hickman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something bigger is happening here when it comes to Omaha and wanting to stay in this state because even if we fan out outside of football, when you look at basketball and Chucky Hepburn, who's heading to Wisconsin, um, obviously Hunter Salas, one of the top basketball players in the country, heading to Gonzaga, um, something is happening between Omaha and the rest of the state, and I don't want to make it sound like some kind of conspiracy theory or anything like that, but there is something that needs to be addressed when it comes to how just Nebraska athletics, and we're talking Nebraska football in particular, um, recruits those kids and whether they need to do more outreach um, to high school coaches, whether or not they just need to win more. A lot of people will say that um, and just make it look like it's more fun. Um, But something is amiss here between Omaha recruiting and just getting those guys uh, to want to stick around in state. It seems like a lot of them just want to spread their wings and get out of the state when they could be doing big things uh, in college here. Well, winning is is going to make Nebraska hoops or football more attractive. But as far as the outreach, I, I I, I don't think there's an issue with, and, and it, it might vary, you, you know, you're not going to get a uniform, hey, it's all great when it comes to interaction and contact with the head coach or Rude, but I, I think they're hustling, you know, I hope they're hustling anyway, but do you need more bodies if you're Nebraska in Omaha? Maybe it may it maybe that's an adjustment that you need to make going forward is that you know maybe you know Barrett Root is the point guy for all of Nebraska um, maybe to, as a show of good faith to say hey we really are going to take Omaha seriously and Omaha maybe feels slighted as a whole um, in the recruiting thing with Nebraska and has felt overlooked and you know that that's been a thing with some other guys that have gone other places as well that maybe didn't have Nebraska offers maybe there does need to be an additional guy that has more focus on Omaha as well um, but I. I think that everything needs to be on the table for how you address that because it's not sustainable given how much talent seems to continue to come out um, of the Omaha Metro. You're going to need to be able to rectify that um, even if you're still putting together top classes. It always makes it easier to begin those top classes at home. Greg, in, in some more positive recruiting news, we do have some uh, some Husker targets who have scheduled official visits to Nebraska. I saw yesterday on Twitter, uh, James Mons, uh, defensive back, has scheduled his official visit for June. Uh, so what does that mean for recruiting? And when you look specifically at the in-state guys, um, do you think any of these guys maybe could have used an official visit where they you know, got to get wined and dined, if you will, the, the phrase, not actually wined and dined. Recruited like they're not from Nebraska. Exactly. Do you think that right. can help this in-state recruiting uh, after, I mean, honestly, uh, some disappointing announcements in the past couple of weeks from the in-state guys? In these particular cases, no, because I think that those kids want to be able to um, have those official visits and have those experiences elsewhere. I, I think that they all want to look at other schools, whether it's Oklahoma, it's Arizona State, it's Auburn, Notre Dame. Like You're looking all over the country, basically, except for here, um, with the exception of like an Iowa or Iowa State in there a little bit on a couple of those guys, so not really. Um, as far as what those official visits mean, look, every one of those official visit announcements that you see for Nebraska is gold at this point because the the competition to get guys on campus in June when everyone presumes that the dead period is going to end 
is going to be really fierce. You're going to know if guys really have Nebraska high on their radar and they're making decisions or planning to make decisions early on, if they make it a point to come to Nebraska in June. Um, and I know Mons wanted to give Nebraska the first shot um, at, at hosting him because he said that they've been showing him the most love, and I've got more coming from him later on this week. Um, but I think that it's a great sign that both he and, and Popeye Williams, the defensive end slash outside linebacker out of Indiana, are scheduled to be here for that first weekend. But you're definitely going to want to see more of those going forward for Nebraska. Talk to you about MJ Morris, uh, Nebraska, and the world in hot pursuit for the dual threat out of Atlanta. What have you been able to glean from from MJ Morris, and you know where Nebraska's at with their uh, their look at quarterback here? Is uh, they they still want and, and need one for twenty twenty two? Yeah, MJ is a kid that I've kind of honed in for. We've been talking about now for a couple of months here because I think that he represents Nebraska's best chance at a big time quote unquote. Uh, single caller in this class, he's a four-star kid, one of the top dual-threat quarterbacks in the nation out of uh, the Atlanta suburbs uh, down in Georgia. He gets along very well with Scott Frost and Mario Verduzco. Like he and his family really like that combination of those two guys. Um, they think the world of what they do with quarterbacks, and they really like Scott Frost being a former quarterback as well. Um, the competition there is interesting because some of the schools that he was really looking at um, had told me about a few months ago have now taken quarterbacks, so it's going to be one of those things where can Nebraska, though, really push to him, hey, you can be the, the lone quarterback in our class and kind of be the face of the class and help build this thing and get it started for us, or you can be you know, quarterback number two at Florida State and we'll see what happens. I know you think you're great, um, but you never know when you get in those situations. But the bottom line is, is like we've talked about with some of these other guys, is Nebraska will need to just get him on campus. Like the earlier or the sooner that they can get him on campus, whether it's a self-guided visit before the dead period ends or an official visit in June, they need to get him up to Lincoln um, and roll out the red carpet for him because he's a big-time player. Greg, uh, back to spring football. Greg Smith with us, Hale Varsity Recruiting Insider. Uh, does a great job covering Nebraska football at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, what needs to change? Spring is part of that, but as we look towards the fall, what are you anxious for with this offense, either philosophically or or fundamentally? Because we've heard the term fundamentals more the last couple three days than I think we have the the last couple three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, that's interesting in itself. Um, I think that can can Nebraska establish a running game consistently with the running backs, right, and have that be the focal point of the run game with QB runs sprinkled in that would actually make that QB run game more dangerous um, moving forward, which would then open up the entire offense, right? I think that when we've seen this offense uh, operate at a high level, whether the times that it's happened here at Nebraska in short spurts or, you know, especially down at UCF, really out at Oregon, it's always featured really good running backs and it's featured multiple of them and it's featured uh, just a real threat um, from running back. So I think if Nebraska can get that and let everything else build off of that, um, that would be the really big thing. But again, that's going to be one of those things that you know we can hear about it all day long during the spring. I think that people are going to want to see that in the fall. But if you start hearing about that, I think it'll be encouraging. 
Greg, we've heard some some interesting things about Thomas Fedoni early in spring practice. We've heard uh, that we have, I mean, that he's been diving into his playbook, been texting some of the upperclassmen in the room, trying to you know get the playbook down so he can get on the field year one. Um, when you're looking at Fedoni, do you think he's going to be the newcomer that maybe makes the most difference on the field this fall? I mean, you got a, a couple difference makers potentially on the offense in Samari Touré, Omar Manning, and Marquis Step as well. Man, I would. If I say uh, of all of them, no, I would actually say Fedoni is not going to be the, the most impact newcomer because I think that Torre um, has a really great chance of doing that. I think that him playing in the slot is really intriguing to me. Um, and if you could get it right in, in what Nebraska would truly want, which is to have Torre in the slot and then have Betts and Manning on the outside, I think that that's a heck of a combination. I think that Marquis Stepp, um, provided that he's healthy because he had been banged up some at USC, um, could be a really nice addition and being the starter running back is just going to lend itself to more production um, than being, you know, the second probably at best tight end for Fedoni in year one. Uh, so I think you've got some really good candidates. It's not a knock on Fedoni. I think there are some other really good candidates to be the kind of newcomer of the year on offense for Nebraska. Greg, we'll do this again. Awesome to get caught up. It went too fast. Thanks for the insight and uh, the chat today. Hey, thanks as always. You guys have a good rest of the week. All right, there he is, Greg Smith with us at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Open phones for you. Give us a shot, 466-37-76-800-825-5865. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Good stuff from Greg Smith, Mike Schuhart, Mike Babcock. Uh, can log on ESPNLincoln.com and check out the on-demand section on uh, Twitter as well at ESPN Lincoln. Don't forget Championship Monday down at Longwell's Hale Varsity Live Roadshow Monday, 4 to 6. Uh, come down, get registered, and stick around for the uh, championship game. Your chance to get prizes. That includes Chris Stapleton tickets. Salt Dog tickets, uh, Jet Splash gift cards, restaurant gift cards, and uh, following the title game, the grand prize. You want to go see the Royals? It could happen for you. A four-pack uh, to, uh, to go see uh, Kaufman in Kansas City. We have missed <laughs> live sporting events, and how awesome would it be to go see the Royals this 2021 season? Of course, Longwell's down in the rail yard. Going to be gorgeous weather Monday. They'll open up the uh, the garage doors, so to speak, kind of like your convertible, right? Roll the windows down. Uh, plenty of great eats, tons of beer on tap, the Megatron TVs. And uh, if you have uh, the prizes for picks teams that end up good on you. Right, it's been a wild and crazy NCAA tournament run. A rock fight last night between UCLA and uh, and Michigan, but it was it was entertaining enough. Uh, too many missed shots by Michigan. They missed uh, what seven to nine of their last shots. A lot of them at the rim. There was no Matumbo there. Finish Michigan. All right, there's my wine for the moment. I was so frustrated last night, not because of the game, but because in my the original iteration of my bracket, I had Michigan State beating Michigan to go to the Final Four. Mm. And then as soon as UCLA... So you had one eleven seed, just the wrong one. As soon as Michigan State lost to UCLA in the first four, I went, well, now that ruins that. I said, there's no way UCLA's making it that far. And I, I changed up my whole bracket and had UCLA losing in the first round, and that was the biggest mistake I made in my bracket. I was one of, like... Was it like the point zero zero two percent of brackets that had UCLA going to the Final Four? I was that close. 
I was that close. You uh, you were the the Blutarski of of bracket picks uh, with zero point. Blutarski was zero point zero uh, GPA. Uh, some more insight here. Uh, here is Mike Dawson. Uh, special teams going to be huge. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pitching in. We'll have more from Coach Becton tomorrow, who was pretty adamant about it. It's on us for Scott Frost. We got to be way better at special teams pitching in. We've heard fundamentals. We've heard emphasis. Uh, you've heard from from Coach Greg Austin about the offensive line with what has been tweaked. He didn't get full Monty for us with uh, all the details of, of changes in practice, but it sounds like there's less tempo. But uh, more from Dawson here on his role uh, with uh, special teams and how it can get better. When the boss asks you to do a job, you don't generally say no. So um, uh, we, we, we had a few conversations about it, and um, you know our staff is pretty hands-on with it, and um, all of our guys, uh, you know, it's not like we go special teams and then everyone goes and drinks Gatorade and stands on the side, and then you know one or two guys are coaching. So uh, our guys are pretty hands-on, and we've been that way, and I think most of us grew up coaching that way. So uh, it was pretty good, pretty easy transition that way, and um, more organizing and. Um, uh, getting to be up in front of the room, which is great. I love that I can uh, be in contact and uh, touch different position groups than I normally would. I think that's one of the exciting parts about doing the special teams. You get to build relationships with uh, the defensive position, the DBs, or, the, or maybe the tight ends or things like that. So uh, I like that part about it, and I'm excited about it. More from, from Dawson uh, when it comes to that almighty touchback. You've been craving it, Nebraska fans, kicking it out of the end zone. I think if we're kicking, you know, from the north to the south today, then yeah, if we were going the other way, then probably not. So, um, you know, depending on the wind, you know, the Big Ten is a, is a little bit different. You know, we, we have weather, we have wind. So um, that's always a great plan. That's my favorite plan. Hey, have a guy that kicks it through and uh, don't give him a, a, a dynamic playmaker like that, a chance to put his hands on the ball. But the reality is, and, you know, my last stop was Boston College. We were similar up there as well, uh, where you'd love to have that and um, be able to, uh, you know, knock the ball out of the end zone and everyone. But you also be able, you got to be able to cover kicks um, and uh, that's going to be a big emphasis on us for, you know, for us the most important phase right now but we'll see and, we'll, and everything's a competition we'll leave it open for everybody and if someone can bang it through every time I'm going to be fired up so you heard how fired up coach Don he was getting on his his you know four-wheel drive monster truck you heard the the, the, the backdrop. I'm kidding. There was not a Bigfoot sighting uh, from the, the, the giant uh, 4x4 SUV. But no, in all seriousness, I mean, yeah, you got to be able to cover a freaking kick. I love how he just skirted around the question of, does any, can anybody on this team kick it through the end zone? He said, well, on a day like today, it depends where yeah. the wind's going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I can hit a drive over 200 yards on a day like today, depending which way the tee box is set up. Oh, it reminds me of uh, in, in Madden. Like back in the day, you could set up like 60 mile an hour winds going one way, and then you could kick like an 85 yard kick and, and get like the, uh, you could set the NFL record. It reminds me of that. Like, well, yeah, if we got the wind at our backs, maybe we can kick it out of the end zone. Last <laughs> thought here from Dawson before we hear from Travis Fisher, and uh, that is on Phil Darius. Uh, he's a guy that, that is important to this defense, was able to get on the field early out of Juco. And I know he's been uh, he's been dealing with some things, and uh, not only is he going to be key on the defense, but he'll be big on special teams. 
I'm hoping with Feldarius, kind of the same thing. He got um, some good experience uh, last year getting the reps that he got, and I'm hoping that he can build on that and continue to grow. Uh, another season with Zach and his staff for him is huge. He, uh, get get, get uh, bigger and stronger, you know, kind of changing his body. Um, so uh, he's doing a good job with that. And then also knowing the calls, the terminology, even something as easy as you know, you're lining up in the defensive end position, you're playing a five technique, you've probably done that since you were you know, first started playing football. Well, now the terminology and the calls are a little bit different, so there's that little click where it registers of what that's saying to me or um, making me do in my job. So now that you don't have to think about that, you just react and it happens, I think that makes you a step quicker, makes you a little bit stronger, you can anticipate a little bit better, so I'm hoping that he can gauge that and um, you know, have a great spring and put that into, uh, you know, kind of use that as a stepping stone into a great summer. So, Coach Fisher was also in front of the podium. Pretty good insight from from Coach Fish. And this was pretty insightful here uh, when it comes to how difficult it was to get those starters back. You're talking about Deontay Williams. You're talking about Markel Dismuke. You're talking about Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, we talk about uh, Coach Fisher and, and what he does as, as a recruiter at Nebraska. Well, uh, he uh, did one of his best recruiting jobs to get 75% of his secondary back. Hey, man, it was hard getting those guys back. It was hard. Those guys, you know, uh, Deontay and Markel have kids. Um, they have, they have De- Markel has a daughter. Deontay has a son. All right, so um, you're talking about when real life kicks in and you become a father, you know, it's always about the kids. All right, so, um, you know, me having to be sensitive to that, because they have families. So, um, but it was hard. It was hard getting those guys back, um, showing those guys the picture, showing those guys um, what I believe is the path to help them reach the goals that they was trying to reach. Um, and finishing up strong in the classroom for Cam. You know, Markel and, um, and um, Deontay has graduated already and they're almost done with their masters. All right, and I want Cam along with those guys. I don't want Cam to leave Nebraska. Um, thinking or, or thinking he has a career after football here at, at, in college, and then he don't get that degree. And so, um, you know, just that's what I recruited him and told his mom and dad. You know, so I, I wanted him to come back and get his degree. Dawson wasn't lying about the wind. You, you hear it right there. Last thought from Coach Fisher here uh, when it comes to just the special team, team's emphasis. You heard it from Dawson. You've heard it from Frost. Uh, Greg Austin touched on it. This is kind of an edict given by Fisher with what you got to do on special teams to be in the secondary. And I told my guys, you know, you can probably ask one of them in the interview. I told them today, yesterday, if they're not starting on special teams, if I got 20 guys in my room, if 20 guys are not starting on special teams, that's a letdown. All right. I don't care who it is in the room, whether you walk on, whether you're a scholarship kid. You have to start on at least one special teams to be a DB here, period, all right, or you will not play, all right? And, and that's just the culture, just trying to build a culture um, of guys and the importance of special teams um, because it's the matter of a win or a, a W or a L, all right? And, and you've been watching that. And so I think we're doing a good job because Dawson's doing a good job of – building that culture and the guys are buying into that culture right away all right and um like i said every coach has a part of that um but coach dawson is doing a great job of setting the culture 
of the room, and then we're basically me. I'm basically echoing that in my in my room by by holding the guys accountable to being on special teams. Ah, accountability, and and that's not anything against Fisher. I think he has had a high level of accountability in his room because that unit, the secondary, has probably been the best unit for Nebraska football behind the defensive line last year. All right, so you're getting some some true emphasis from the top on down of importance. And again, I feel good about the offensive line. It's still the most important group for this football program moving forward. Secondly, I think you put in special teams if we're going order of importance right here. And I, I know that quarterback's huge. you got to find a backup, and you got to have a starter that takes care of the football. But I honestly think uh, if we're looking at the dominoes that, that knock the quarterback down, it's offensive line, it's running game, and it's skill position support. Guy's got to go out and do it. But that's kind of where I'm sticking at here of, of you know, again, to-do list. And it's get things cleaned up on the offensive line, drill down on, on what you need to, to be better at and more explosive plays in the run game, find a back or two or three that can carry the mail. And in special teams, you hear Fisher saying, look, dude, if you're going to play defensive back for me, you are going to be starting on special teams. And you, you need to put your best players on special teams. You just do. Alabama does it. Yes, they do. I mean, Devontae Smith's a gunner, for God's sake. Period. And he likes it. And and he's like, look, if I'm not, if I'm just another dude at wide receiver, well, you're not. Uh, I can always make a team in the NFL on special teams, but that's a guy that is as good as he was to be recruited to Alabama, and as many stars as attached to his name, he's still six one, one hundred and seventy pounds. I mean, look at Andy Janovich; he's made on NFL rosters because he's a good fullback, but fullbacks are nearly dead in the NFL. He's on those rosters because he is a solid special teams player week in, week out. Well, and and that's that's what he was recruited here for as a like priority walk on with. With Riley and Fultzy and those guys, they're like, well, uh, Jano, why don't you go murder people at fullback when we use you, but go uh, go be a rock star on special teams. Pretty impressive. We'll uh, work through the rest of our Wednesday at Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, you got your ball glove out. Absolutely, buddy. So excited about uh, baseball season coming up, and hopefully get somewhat of a normal season. And gosh, it's just been great seeing those folks out there doing spring training. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure excited about it. No, I can't wait. I can't wait to head to Kansas City. I can't wait to, to head to Haymarket and get Junior to a Salt Dogs game again. And uh, one of the teams I follow, Boston Red Sox, man. And this goes back to the Kurt Schilling era. Uh, and I might, I might even, dare I say, the Roger Clemens, uh, uh, you know, 1986 Buckner team kind of got on my radar. And I still weep, man. But anyhow, uh, Chris Sale is just incredible. And he's been a 
a just a high level, you know, one of the best there is. And he's a guy that's, that's battled injuries and he's coming back from Tommy John. Dr. Brandon, let's focus here on Tommy John as, as you know, we go we can go back to last March with the surgery as the rehab continues here. And uh, I know there's been progress technologically made in Tommy John and, and recovery. But uh, what does the final few I, I guess mile markers look like for for somebody like Chris Sale as they get ready to try and get back and not run too soon and and get back from Tommy John completely. What's this final mile marker or two look like? Yeah, you know, so really the big key with these, anytime you're going through that uh, Tommy John rehab program, is the first thing is trying to figure out why, you know, why did somebody end up there to begin with? Uh, Mechanics obviously play a huge role in that, and I think it's important to bring it up just with regard to Chris Sale, and obviously has a little bit of an unorthodox delivery, uh, like a lot of the, you know, fantastic pitch that level um, really an unorthodox delivery. Obviously his shoulder or his elbow height is a little bit off when he throws. And so there's some things there that, you know, how much can you correct that but also not change the pitcher he is. So with him, that's that's obviously a little bit of a challenge that is somewhat unique to him is you're going to have to be obviously too, you know, careful about changing it too much. But that's kind of the big focus, you know, this point in the process is, you know, working on that technique you think you can maybe tweak a little bit of the form of that to take away some of the stress on that graph that you placed. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris, just to, just to kind of rewind on, you know, what we're talking about, I forgot to say just something anatomically. We always kind of talk about that. Just, you know, for our listeners out there, review of the topic. So basically we're talking about Tommy John ligament. So these things, these injuries happen along the inside part of your elbow. If you kind of feel that area, you think is the funny bone. Uh, there's a ligament that attaches onto that and then goes down onto the forearm on that side. What happens is that's called the ulnar collateral ligament or Tommy John ligament. Um, and what happens is with repetitive throwing, it gets stretched. Um, it's typically how it occurs. Uh, you can have it with, you know, traumatic injury. You can have it where you, you know, throw one pitch and it basically lets go and you completely tear it. But that's basically what happens. So kind of fast-forwarding to that question we talked about, you know, the technique part's important. Uh, the strengthening part's important, too. You know, this is a good opportunity to take a look at the joints that, that surround that area. So, for example, if he has some shoulder issues, it's good to try to correct some of that. Um, sometimes you start, you know, compensating one area for the other if there's a weakness or some type of pain. And so that's another issue to work on is some of his, uh, if there's any shoulder issues there. But basically at this point, he should be throwing up, you know, to, to full speed at this point, coming off the mound. Um, it's a long, you know, return process for these things, somewhere on the order of, you know, a year up to 18 months, uh, especially when you're talking about like a revision situation. If you're going through your second Tommy John procedure, that can be even up to two years. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Chris Sale as he is winding down his rehab and recovery from Tommy John. And I got a question for you with Tommy John, and thanks for resetting it. You've got a list of pitchers that have 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 uh, starters that have had Tommy John surgery in March or April between 2014 and 2018. You've got uh, Taewon Walker. You've got uh, Danielson Lamette, Shelby Miller, Hugh Darvish, Ivan Nova, Matt Moore, Patrick Corbin, they all come back, not all, but you have a handful of guys that come back with 
that list I laid out has four guys that came back with a whole run and a half lower ERA. And then some guys, I mean, it, it's ballooned up. You look at Shelby Miller before the surgery, before the Tommy John was a 3.67 ERA guy. Uh, after 26-year-old, 9.15. I mean, that's uh, that's my ERA. So it's, it's not always uh, effective. Yes, it's effective to get the guys back on the hill. But, man, it's just different case per pitcher, isn't it, when it comes to not only recovering to get back on the, on, the, on the rubber, but, you know, what's your stuff like? What's your comfort level like, Dr. Brandon? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's interesting, too, as you look at that, you know, the early data on these, you know, say rewind back 10 years, it's looking great. You know, the early data, the things we were studying was looking at, okay, what percentage of these players – get back to the, you know, same level of competition or higher. That's always a, a great measure of, you know, how successful, you know, is surgery in general. And those numbers were very high. In fact, some studies were north of 90% in terms of getting back to the same level or higher. And so that's exciting. That's encouraging. That's still the case. But there are some subtle differences there that we've seen, too, though, as you kind of start to mention those folks. Um, you know, ERA control, is that better? You know, I wouldn't say that studies have shown that, you know, your control is better at that point, but it is interesting to look at some of those scenarios where ERA drops substantially. Um, the other part of it that we see is <clears throat> one of the things you have to be careful with coming back after Tommy John, and this kind of plays into Chris Sale, is how much volume you're giving them kind of early on. And that would be, you know, if you were to have a, a drawback to that surgery, one of the drawbacks to the surgery, just that injury in general, is there has been a trend where we see that you just can't quite get the same number of, you know, pitches or volume out of those pitchers who have had that their durability is a little less after that surgery. And so you really do have to be kind of careful in terms of how much volume to throw at them, not just, you know, initially, which is important, obviously, uh, but even kind of long-term. That's been one of the new trends that we're starting to see in some of our data out there when you look at these long-term Tommy John recoveries and, you know, future prospects is <clears throat> there is some diminishment in kind of the volume and number of pitchers they can throw. So that's something to be aware of um, that's out there. You know, Dr. Brandon, we're talking uh, Chris Sale and Tommy John surgery and recovery as he's nearing a return for Boston. Dr. Brandon uh, Cypher with his Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. About 45 seconds here, Dr. Brandon. But do you see other, uh, like, collateral issues? Okay, so the Tommy John ligament's great, but are there some other mechanical issues that, that cause injury coming back from Tommy John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> some of the other things, and we've talked about this even with some of the other injuries you see, in particular, like knee injuries, ACL injuries. Mm-hmm. There's some other things that can kind of sneak up on you. You know, in particular with the Tommy John surgery, uh, surgery itself, um, the nerve, so your funny bone in that area where the injury occurs, you know, there's a nerve that sits back there called the ulnar nerve. There can be some times where that nerve gets either irritated from just the, the injury itself, surgery itself, some scar tissue after surgery. So that can be one of those things that can be a factor in terms of your recovery and longevity. Um, some other things that can happen is, you know, depending on how long that player had some kind of looseness or instability in their elbow before they finally had the procedure done on the Tommy John that force then basically shifts from the inside of the elbow to the outside, and you start to load the outside of your joint, and you can break down the cartilage on the outside of that joint and basically start with some early arthritis. That's another one of those things that can be a factor, obviously, with your longevity. Um, the other thing that can happen, you can build up some bone spurs kind of behind the uh, kind of tip of the elbow called the olecranon. That can be you know, problematic down the road, but typically those are the things you can go in and clean those up, especially at the time of surgery. Those would be some things that we see that, you know, potentially could be an issue in terms of career longevity. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the update on Chris Sale. 
Absolutely, guys. You take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Mike Babcock today, Greg Smith recruiting, Mike Shuard, Kate Smith just ripping it up at Augusta. So uh, check the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, and uh, all the on-demand, ESPNLincoln.com, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Reminder about buckling up, about 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. A little bit more from Coach Becton specifically, and we talked with Greg Smith about, you know, what's the role going to look like with Thomas Fedoni. And uh, here is Coach Beckton uh, talking about that tight end room. The first two days for him is the game is faster than he's ever experienced in, in high school. So he's got to understand the pace of play, how guys move. They're bigger, faster, and they're stronger. And then all of the details uh, that he wasn't coached in, in high school, he's got to understand. Uh, details help you win routes. Detail help you win in the blocking scheme and all those different things. He's, he's really, really starting to see, oh, hey, Coach, I, I still do know, don't know a whole bunch. You know, so he being a highly touted kid, um, he's very, very humble, and he's working extremely hard. That's cool. And uh, you need that uh, humility. You know, easier said than done with a lot of recruits. But Fedoni gets it, it sounds like, and he's putting the work in. I got to put some extra work in here when I get home. I got the dreaded lunch detention email from Junior's Middle School. Oh, I thought maybe you were starting a diet plan or something. No. Well, I, I'm trying to eat better. Mm-hmm. Uh, may not look like it. Saying it's not going well for me, but. Well, you're, you're tall and you have great metabolism, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> As I'm thinking, do I go bone-in pork chop or just uh, chicken breast tonight? I will make the correct call. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm going to erupt i can yell and scream at junior and he just looks deer in the headlights and you know makes the same mistake i need to stop him during practice apparently and have him run it again but in all seriousness uh, his mother can look at him wrong and he'll like be completely hurt so i need to have those type of mind powers on him that she has but again lunch detention what's that email I should just post it on Twitter and publicly shame him. Well, back from my middle school experience, I found myself in lunch tension a couple times. But why? And I had to work, when I was a student teacher, I had to work a middle school lunchroom. And if I would have had a shock collar, I would have put it on everyone. Well, I didn't get it for for misbehaving in the lunchroom because I I, I was I didn't I didn't misbehave. In but the he is. I, I wanted to go to. He's recess. trying. He's trying to go uh, Animal House here and, and food fight. But, but that's what the thing is about lunch detention is you instantly then lose your privileges to recess if you're stuck in lunch detention and that was like for, that's why you went to lunch so you could play ball. It's the best part of lunch. So as soon as you get a lunch tension or two where you're stuck sitting in a room by yourself eating your lunch without your friends without going to recess, it, it seems to solve the issue pretty quickly in my in my experience. You know. I might just threaten him. I'm not, 
he may see a sledgehammer go through his 14 screen setup media center. But after that, I may just start showing up for lunch. Have you ever seen the video of the guy who runs over his son's Xbox with a lawnmower? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I may take some notes. I, you know what? I may just start showing up to lunch every day. And I'll be that guy sitting with his kid. That'll clear him out. Throw some food at him. <laughs>